We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Given the roadblocks or opportunities in this new year, what is a supplier's perspective on the challenges facing the auto industry? There are supply chain logistics, there are issues around chips, there's also a labor shortage issue, and there's the fact that a recession could be looming. How will all of this affect a supplier's outlook into 2023 and beyond? Where are the places for investments? Where are the places that need to be trimmed back? Pat DeRamo, Martin Reyes President and CEO, looks at all of those opportunities and obstacles in 2023. OESA's Automotive Insiders hit the road for a number of recordings recently, broadcasting from the main hall of the OESA Automotive Supplier Conference in Novi, Michigan. And today on this episode, we talk to Pat about what's ahead and what's to come. He's the president and CEO of Martin Rea, but his perspective is wide. I'm also joined by Bill Newman of SAP. Automotive Insiders on the road at the OESA Annual Conference with Plant Moran. Great to be back at the OESA Annual Supplier Conference with Bill Newman, my co-host last year. It's great to be with you, Bill, from SAP. Good to be with you, Jason. Thanks for having me back. And Pat DeRamo, President and CEO of Martin Rea. Uh, we'll start with you, Pat, just because the, the theme here is, of course, the future is calling. How will you answer? Where are we in the present? Uh, describe for, for us uh, for a moment on where you see the industry right now and some of the key inflection points. As you look back over the last few years, I'd say the situation has certainly improved over the last year as far as the ability to produce, the smoothness of, of work. Uh, it's still very disruptive as compared to what things would have been like prior to 19 or prior to 20, uh, back in 19. Um, inflationary costs, at least to some extent, you're starting to see some things level out, steel and aluminum in particular. But uh, there are still other costs that are continuing to rise, especially energy, as you know, in Europe. So um, there's still a lot of strain relative to the suppliers trying to recover um, those costs from the customer. And again, that's somewhat dependent on the customer, too. When you look at the, at the supply base and, and, I guess, the opportunities to differentiate as the product portfolio changes. How are you seeing the, the constant movement towards our theme of the year, last few years, electrification? Yeah, well, I, I think for some it's easier than others, uh, depending on what space you're in. You know, the majority, we've obviously studied this ourselves a lot, about 80 some percent of our product can move into uh, electrification, you know, relatively easy, so body structures, suspensions, those types of things. Um, and then there's about 20% that's, you know, more fuel specific. And in those cases, we are taking a look at our, look at our capital and saying, okay, what other products can you make with the same capital? Capital, How long will, um, and this is the big question, how long will ICE be around? And when you really start to dig deeper, as you probably know, into the portfolios and plans of each of the customers, there's some divergence going on. Some are really going into all BEV. Others are focusing more on plug-in hybrids, which means they're going to need a, an engine and they're going to need fuel and so forth still. Um, and it's really interesting as you dig into it. Um, and even the ones that are going full BEV, well, full BEV means different things to different OEMs. So 
understanding that level of detail is really important. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of business for ICE for a long time to come for those folks. Yeah, just to echo into what Pat was saying, uh, we believe, I believe, that uh, ICE is going to be around for a very long time. I think the total park percentage is going to be very high throughout the century, frankly. Um, when you look at some of the markets, particularly California with their 2035 and their phase-in goals, that's going to get really interesting for uh, OEM nameplates and their supply chain uh, already and very quickly. And you're seeing some of them having to make some pivots that perhaps they weren't planning to make. Maybe some of them wanted to go more quickly to hydrogen. Uh, some of them who have an established uh, hybrid line, uh, which is proven technology. As I like, as I like to tell my, uh, my nephew who wanted to get an electric vehicle, if you really want to make a, a big impact right now, go get a hybrid. Right now, they're available. It's proven multi-generational technology, but of course, you know, some of the generational buyers, they want to go into the pure EV space. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the market's like. I think infrastructure, again, energy is going to play a big role into that. And uh, really, the, the, big, the big question, I think, for a lot of uh, folks who are passionate about that space, um, does buying an EV really mean that you're having a full uh, greening effect in the environment. And there's there's lots to unpack on that in terms of where we get some of the raw materials for batteries and things like that. Um, so I'm 100% I'm in agreement with you, Pat. I think you have to kind of dig below the headlines a little bit and really understand what, what the industry is doing. Pat, what do you suggest in terms of um, maybe lower tiered suppliers pivoting to new contracts in the EV portfolio? How, how should they approach that? You know, I think you got to look at what you're good at. Um, you know, it's interesting we had this innovation uh, presentation this morning, which, which I really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, innovation comes from old things more than it does from new things. You know, it's just a twist on something that's previously existed. So I think companies, especially companies that are smaller, have to look at what am I good at? Uh, where can I not have to reinvest in a lot of capital? and find something that'll fit into, into the, you know, this new product line. The other is, you know, do I want to double down on ice and make a whole lot of money because there are going to be people dropping out? Um, can I be a survivor and then find something over time, buy something over time because you'll be cash rich? Um, so there's two different ways you can go about it. Um, also, a lot of the tier two and tier threes, especially tier threes, tend to, to supply to a lot of other industries as well. So I, I think there's lots of opportunity out there, but you got to sit down and say, what am I good at? And which direction do I want to go? Because unfortunately, most of them are small and they don't have the, the capital to reinvent themselves necessarily unless they get married or, or with, a, with a larger company or something along those lines. Bill, do you think this is a weeding out process over the next five to 10 years to some extent? Well, Pat brings up a really good um, point regarding the down tier supplier space. And, and again, for, for those listeners who may not be familiar with that space, I mean, in many cases, you're talking about uh, family businesses, many of them multi-generational. Uh, you think about the, the dealer uh, network as well, another space in our industry that's uh, often family-owned, multi-generational. We're already seeing in the dealer space that that culling with big brands like GM electrifying and basically saying, hey, you either go with the new program or we're going to essentially you know, buy out your label. 
Um, I do think that there's going to be some weeding out. And as I've said in other programs, too, for those um, uh, down-tier supplier uh, owners, now is a really good time to have a conversation with your adult children to understand what their vision is. Are they interested in taking over the business? Um, it's very, very rare for any family-held business to survive three generations. Uh, automotive just puts an additional pressure uh, on those decisions. And, you know, we have to, we're here in Michigan today. I think we need to continue to do a good job with uh, coaching our younger generations that automotive is a very high-tech, well-paying uh, industry to be a part of and, and get their enthusiasm back into the automotive space as a long-term career where they could have a really good lifestyle and make a meaningful contribution uh, to our industry and to our society. Yeah, and on top of all of that, you have inflationary and recessionary pressures now. Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs both predicting that 23 could be okay, but 24 is going to be a very difficult year from a recessionary standpoint, pegging it at about a 75% um, uh, rate of, of possible recessionary pressures. How, how do you feel looking at the next two years, Pat? Well, I, I think in the U.S. specifically, I think the opportunity, the opportunities are much greater than the fear of recession. Um, there's still a lot of pent-up demand. There's a lot of cash out there. Housing, even though it's taken a little bit of a step back due to interest, there's still a lot of demand and need for it. Um, I think that we're set for actually a pretty strong economy. Now, the question is going to be how, you know, how much of a black eye do we have to take ahead of that? I think whatever it is, it'll be short-term. Um, and certainly from a vehicle point of view, whether it's because somebody wants new technology or they just have an old vehicle, um, we know the replacement situation, the inventory situation, and there's going to be a lot of demand, I think, uh, for, for our, um, you know, volume. Yeah, I think it's interesting to, um, to consider a couple things. So first of all, um, I agree, it's not a, a, a demand issue. We got plenty of demand there. Uh, when people ask me what's going on in, in automotive, you know, uh, bless the people who are putting down five, ten grand for a vehicle that they won't see for six to 12 months, yeah, right? right? So that is really something that's changed coming out of the pandemic. But it's created opportunity and some long tail growth opportunities for our industry. But I would also submit that there are some fundamental restructuring, reshoring, decoupling from China and to some level Russia uh, elements that are happening in our economy, which are going to create a demand for uh, more labor, high skilled, and, and those will have a cost implication. So, I mean, I don't want to get on my soapbox and, you know, start to uh, clear the room by saying there's no inflation. There is. But there's a, there's a lot of compounding of different things structurally that are also happening, not just in automotive, but across manufacturing. Pat, you mentioned housing, uh, for sure, which probably has more of a direct impact, but certainly in other industries as well. Excellent. I think uh, just in addition to that, the government overshooting the interest rate hikes, both in Canada and the U.S., it appears to me they may go too far, and that could create a lot of impeding, in my view. Um, that would be unfortunate. Now, real quick on your China thing and reshoring. I think there's a real big problem with the reshoring. There's no people. And to me, the biggest long-term problem we have in the moment is people. Um, we've moved work out of the United States, not because of cost, but because we don't have enough people into Canada, into Mexico, 
um, out of certain states that are a lot tougher to get people than others, Michigan, frankly, being one of those. Um, I think the this industry, if they want to focus on anything, it's create some immigration policy or some way to get help from countries that want to be here to to help uh, fill in these holes because they're not going away. And, and that, to me, it's a wonderful to say reshoring, but who's going to do the work? Right. Excellent thoughts. Pat DeRamo, Bill Newman, thanks so much for being on the program, and uh, we'll look forward to a, a, a very ambitious, interesting 2023. Okay. Thank you. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Pat DeRamo, Martin Reyes, President and CEO, as well as Bill Newman of SAP. And thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. Mm-hmm.